Hi, this is Emily, co-executive director and co-founder of ATX Television Festival. And this is Jennifer, director of programming. And you're listening to the TV Campfire. So, Jen, welcome to the TV Campfire. This week's episode is Better With Age, Growing Older on TV, presented by Hollywood Health and Society. As director of programming, Mm -hmm. I feel like you and Kate both had this idea for this panel kind of around the same time. Yeah, I mean, it also started through conversations with Hollywood Health and Society, and we had a couple of different conversations that we wanted to have with them this year because they touch on so many important topics and there's so many sort of directions to go that it's kind of hard to narrow it down to what is the conversation we want to have this year right now. And Kate had like a very specific kind of version of this yeah. that she wanted initially. I think initially we had in our in our heads almost more of a an actor-based panel, which is typically not the direction that That's we That's all we normally do, yeah. But there are so many like amazing older actors out there right now that are that have really, really interesting roles. And we wanted to try and pair them up with the creatives that that write their shows um, or show run. And we went down a lot of roads and had a lot of interesting people that we were trying to get. And it's, you know, they're all very busy right now, which is awesome. <laughs> which is good. They're all working. Yeah. All the older actors that you were wanting. Yeah. I, we ended up with these four that we'll talk about in a second. Um which I think actually ended up being sort of this really amazing balance of producer-focused, acting-focused, writer-focused, and then Mike Royce, who <laughs> checks a bunch of boxes and, everything. Yep. and is on everything uh, that we ask him to be because we love him. But yeah, I think uh, the version that we ended up with, I think, was a really pretty amazing conversation. Well, and what's cool about partnering with Hollywood Health and Society is this was our second year partnering with them. And they, as you said, have a bunch of different initiatives. So really talking to them about which ones they care about most right now, where their contacts are, what story they're wanting to tell. And so our person over there is, her name is Kate Fold, and she's phenomenal. And Hollywood Health and Society was started by Norman Lear many moons ago as his nonprofit that he oversees. But what it's really there for is for people that are wanting to tell a story about something they may not be familiar with. It's a resource for people to call up and say, hey, I want to tell a story about AIDS on TV. I need some research done. I need some fact finding. I want to make sure I'm telling the story appropriately. Can you help me? And they have so many resources and basically on-call people that can answer at any time and help people find what they want and make sure that they're telling factual information and still being able to tell a great story out of it, which is cool because they're not advocates for any specific topic. That's basically whatever your story you're trying to tell, whatever information you want, they're there to help supply. And last year, the one we did was on abortion on television, mm-hmm. which was a very interesting conversation, and you can go back and listen to it in old episodes of the TV Campfire. And Kate Fold moderated that one, had so many facts and so many statistics. Obviously, Norman Lear was also the first person to write an abortion on television, so that was a great conversation. And now we're doing one on aging on TV, which very much is also in Norman Lear's wheelhouse, since I'm pretty sure he's the oldest working person in Hollywood. I mean— He's ageless, but sure. Yes, yeah. exactly. He's, <laughs> yep, and he has done so much. And the fact that he has a new show, well, I mean, it's now a few years in, but mm-hmm. that in his 90s, starting a new show. He's still as active as it gets. Like, totally, like, and is actually active in the creating of the show and the writing of the show. Yeah, 
And he inevitably comes up in here a lot because he is just, I, I mean, for as long as he's been making TV, like he, his fingerprints are on so many of these shows and the way these characters are written and like the way that he tells these stories and how he includes, you know, people of all generations is just like so ingrained in the characters that, you know, this group is writing. And he, I mean, obviously is very directly related to One Day at a Time, which Brent and Mike, you know, are are still on like hip hop <laughs> TV. But yeah, I mean, he's just, he's just like inextricably like a part of this conversation, even though he's not physically here this year. But yeah. So on this panel, we do have Brent Miller and Mike Royce. Mike Royce, who is on many of our panels and is coming to the festival for many years and is phenomenal and dealt with many social issues. And then Brent, who started working with Norman a number of years ago, they met. There's a long story of how they met, but they became friends and he started working with them. And then he was the one that was really responsible for putting the seed of the idea to reboot One Day at a Time and really fought for it. So he's been an integral part in it since it's come back. And it's so good. If you're not watching One Day at a Time, then you should be because it's phenomenal. But then we also had Mimi Kennedy from Mom, who is just hysterical and phenomenal. Did you get to meet her at the festival? Uh, yeah, I did briefly. She is everything that you want her to be. Like, yeah. she's so nice and warm and just, like, so lively and all of the things. And she jumped on board for this panel very quickly. Um, she was very excited to have this conversation. And, yeah, she really kicks off this panel with this pretty amazing speech. Um, not really a speech, but <laughs> she has a lot of experience and a lot of a lot of thoughts on this particular subject. And she is very articulate about it. And it's I'm really glad we got to include her. And then we also had Sarah Thompson, who's a writer and producer from How to Get Away with Murder, who's also writing multi-generations in one show, mm -hmm. which I think is also cool because it's also a show that you don't think about as being centered around elderly people, but to have phenomenal characters that are older on that show. And the iconic Cicely Tyson. Yeah, I mean, you can't really, can't really write for... Up against the iconic yeah. Viola Davis. <laughs> exactly. Like, writing scenes yeah. like that, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So this conversation, I think... Not to give too many spoilers, but Mimi Kennedy does give a thesis statement for this, which is age is an accumulation of experience in your soul. It's hard to show that on screen, which this is kind of a side tangent. But as a huge fan of young adult, which is the opposite of aging on TV, and people talk a lot about the young adult medium and how it's a point of view, not a reading level. And I think that's something about aging on TV. It's a point of view of all these experiences. It's not just for certain viewer age ships. It's yeah. for everyone. It's just a different point of view into these stories. Yeah. And they actually talk about that a little bit with the talking about, you know, sort of like out of the mouths of babes and like what we can really learn from like teenage and, and YA characters and all the way through to, you know, 65 plus senior experiences. Like it's all part of the spectrum and it's all important to show. And that's the only way that you're, you know, really going to be able to dive into and dismantle, you know, stereotypes and create empathy for all of these characters and, and people. And I feel like Rita Moreno in One Day at a Time dismantles all stereotypes. Yep. She's so great. The one person that I know we were trying to get that I wish we had been able to get only because of her storyline this season on Jane the Virgin is Yvonne Cole, because she's basically starting a new romance as the top generation in a, th a three-generation storyline. And her whole arc with dating again and getting over the loss of her husband who died many years prior but giving up that grief and giving up that guilt of dating again and then what it's like to date again at that age was phenomenal yeah so 
If Yvonne ever wants to come, she's <laughs> she so is very in, welcome. <laughs> she is invited along with all the cast of Jane the Virgin. But <laughs> yeah, so this is a really great conversation. And as always, we're excited to host it. It is part of our um, the syndication project track, which is ATX Festival's nonprofit arm where we really focus on advocacy through storytelling and social issues in TV and the impact that that has on viewers and honestly how viewers then take what they've watched and go out into the world and how they exist in the world with it. So we're excited again, to have partnered with Hollywood Health and Society. So big thank you to them and Kate Fold for spearheading that. So uh, without further ado, here is Better With Age, Growing Older on TV. Hi, everybody. Welcome. So glad to see you here this morning. I'm Kate Fold. I'm director of Hollywood Health and Society, which is a project of the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, Norman Lear Center. So yeah, if you can repeat that back to me, you get a prize at the end of the speech. So today we are here to talk about Better With Age, Growing Older on TV. Um, and before I bring out our panel, I'm gonna do a quick commercial for Hollywood Health and Society, which is that we are a free resource to the television industry, the screenwriters, producers, other content creators, to help them, uh, to help you vet your storylines for accuracy around health and science and medicine, um, public policy, safety in general, pretty much anything, uh, climate change, all of that. So if you have a script you want us to take a look at or if you wanna talk to an expert on a certain issue, you can reach out to us. We can connect you with those experts to make sure that the stories you are telling are as accurate as possible. So that's my commercial. I will say no more. It's free. And now, let me bring out our illustrious panel. First, the executive producer from ODAT. Do I need to even say what ODAT is? One day at a time, Brent Miller. This woman needs no other qualifications other than just her name, Mimi Kennedy. Uh, panelist extraordinaire, Mike Royce, creator and EP of ODAT. And writer, producer of How to Get Away with Murder, Sarah Thompson. Am I blending in? Um. <laughs> okay. All right. Better with age, growing older on TV. So I have some uh, stats I'm going to share in a minute, but I'm going to start right off with you, Mimi. Um, you've had a very long, diverse career as an actor. Um, do you want to talk about your journey as a woman, as a woman... <laughs> I'm not going to say of a certain age, but, you know, and how that's been in Hollywood. Is there ageism? What have you faced? Has it changed? Yeah, it has changed. I got to Hollywood in, what, 1970, I think six or seven, as a young person, and um, was Let's Discover three young people, Debbie Allen, um, Ellen Foley, and I, uh, on Three Girls Three, and then, thank you very much, oh, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> 
those were the days when a 19 share was not a hit. And uh, we haven't seen those in a long time. Then I moved right into playing mother roles, and it made me remember the nun who refused to cast me in Little Women because she said I had a mature face. <laughs> so and I couldn't how, play a daughter. Can we, can we ask you how old you were at that time? Oh, I was uh, uh, 17 when I had a mature face and couldn't play Joe. <laughs> so you see, it's, it's actually a soul aspect, and, and that's what I really want to say. Age is an accumulation of experience in your soul. It's hard to show a soul on TV. The Native Americans said the camera steals your soul. So, you know, we'd like to prove them wrong, but um, it is hard to show that. An accumulation of experience shows in the body. Um, when seeing women on TV was only about the body and sexual reproduction and how do we get the human race moving again and let's all be Marilyn Monroe and then have babies and be a mom and then what? Throw you away after all that because what's that worth? That is the life of the body but it doesn't make any sense without the life of the soul. So what we're, thank you, amen. <laughs> the congregation said amen. So you want to um, move into um, elderhood uh, is a kind of a weird word, but I would just call it an accumulation of experience in the soul, move into that, show some of that, and for that you need the entire range. Young people, children, we all know, have soul stuff to tell us, out of the mouths of babes, and then straight through adolescence with that passion and that fire for life, they bring us the music and the sexiness and all that. And then parents, we need to care for one another, and parents really learn to do that. And, uh, and then there's being older and you've been through the whole thing, but you're still in your soul accumulating experience as you had for that gate, and we need to know about that. So that's what I'm still an actress for, God help me. But the roles have definitely changed, and I am among people um, who have helped delve into all the ages of man and woman and, and tell all those stories. Shonda Rhimes did some amazing stuff that I've played, and we can talk about that later. Great, great, thank you. Um, okay, the U.S. Census says that by 2020, so that's next year, like in six months or whatever, by 2020, there will be about three and a half working age adults for every retirement age person. So that basically means roughly one in four adults are gonna be 65 or older in the US. So start counting off, you know. Um, and also in the US, the spending of Americans aged 50 and up, this is 2015 data, so it's probably gone up, uh, accounted for nearly $8 trillion worth of economic activity in the U.S. Okay, last data point. People over 50 uh, watch five to six hours of TV a day. No judgment here because we're TV people and I say, yeah. Keep doing it. Right? Let's Why aren't they watching more? <laughs> right? Eight, nine hours. But Yeah, exactly. No, no judgment here. Go home, turn on your set. Um, but with all of that, considering all this, why aren't there more shows aimed at older adults or featuring older adults than there are? Brent, I'm going to ask you to start and then anybody else who wants to 
I, I don't know right. that I have Why'd the answer. Why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we, we um, I work with Norman Lear, and we, uh, his, his and my passion was um, doing a show on, on anyone older than 65, and it was called Guess Who Died? And um, <laughs> it, it, this, we did a pilot for NBC, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was amazing. It starred um, Holland Taylor and Hector Elizondo and Christopher Lloyd, and, and it was based on uh, a story, really, that had happened. I had, I, my mom lives in Palm, Palm Springs, like outside of Palm Springs. We're from Ohio, but I had brought her out here like 12 years ago, and I, w I, w I went to visit her, and I was, I was coming home, and I said, God, Norman, these people are alive. Like, we need to talk about this. I mean, this is, and my mom's 76, so she's young. I mean, young, in, I, th I think young. In Norman's terms, she's Yeah, I mean, <laughs> remember, my, <laughs> yeah, my, my partner's 97. He'll be 97 in July. So, um, Anyway, to answer your question, I don't know the answer, but we, we did do an amazing pilot that NBC did not push forward. Um, it's something we really loved and are still trying to, to push. Um, but there, there is a world where executives think that once you hit a certain age, you're maybe not relevant. And it's frustrating because I would disagree with them. And as you were just saying these, you know, data points, it's, it's, um, it feels like it's a no brainer. Like why are, why are we not doing more shows that, that live in this world? Uh, so we're not going to give up. We're going to keep pushing just like we do with one day at a time. <laughs> and, um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, there, there, there's such a, uh, a wealth of stories to be told in this demographic that I think we're missing out on. Absolutely. Anybody else? Comment? I'm against it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've already talked so much, but I would like to say also that I like stories that have the entire demographic. In other words, I auditioned, oh, I did a pilot, I think, it shall go unnamed. And it was, uh, we're going to do a show with older people because they figured out that they were spending their, they had all this social security money that was sort of extra if they were still oh, working yeah. or whatever. Really Whoa, extra, we want yeah. their money. And it <laughs> took place in an assisted living or an old age home, whatever you want to call it. And it was so, it was superficial. All that mattered to anybody in that place was having a date and maybe trying to have some sex, but without any talk about health and like how that affected your heart rate or anything like And it was just like taking a bunch of 25 year olds and making them 65 and being in this, you know, old age home. And it was stupid. And anyone who would have <laughs> seen it, I know I'm so sorry, cause I'm dissing myself and my people, but um, it's okay, we can stand the criticism. And, uh, and, and that was years ago. That was a long time ago, maybe 15 years. So um, I think things have improved since then, and it's partly another thing I auditioned for was all kids going up in a spaceship, and I asked, are there going to be any older people on the thing? And they said, no, it's just kids. Nobody wants to see the parents or the old people. And I went, you know, kids feel like kids when there's an authority figure to butt up against, so it may give you more story. And they didn't want to hear that. That's all improved. It's all improved. Things are better. Yeah, it's, you know, I would say that it's, there's like a, I don't know, prejudice or something. We're allowed to see a million versions of young shitheads on television. Um, 
And I want to see the old shitheads, right? I want to see a rainbow of shitheads on television because it makes it more interesting. It, 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 stereotypes are always bad. So like that's, a, you know, it sounds like a, a, when, you, a, you know, when you're you know, saying to yourself, yes, let's put some old people on television. We'll get a nursing home. And, you know, it, it sounds like you're leaning right into um, just that. You're just coming at, you, know, you, you know, you don't have an identity. You're just an old person, which is the same thing that when people are you know, talking about millennials and all the, you know, ridiculous stereotypes about millennials that come out and how they don't know how to do anything and blah, 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 blah. Um, that's all dumb, too. So, um, yeah, it's it, television. It's it's. You, the most interesting interesting things can come from anywhere, and it's sort of ridiculous that it gets cut off at a certain age. Well, it's also fun to write for the people who created the shitheads, so the parents <laughs> of the shitheads on television. I mean, for us, Annalise Keating is such a force on our show, and it, when we were thinking about her mother, who's played by Cicely Tyson, who is just incredible to work with, um, she's 94 years old, and she is just amazing. Um, but it's fun to, to write for someone who would create this woman, Annalise Keating. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just yes. who, I mean, she's funny. She's just as strong of a woman as Annalise. And to be able to give her the witty little lines that she delivered, I mean, her comedic timing is just incredible. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really fun to write for her. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I was 90, lucky. what? 94. 94. And she just shows up on that set and she is just, everyone loves her. And Viola jokes that when Cicely Tyson is on set, she's no longer the number one. She's the number two. (laughs) Because everyone just fawns over. As it should be. As As it it should should be. be, Yep. Yep. She's amazing. Well, um, that brings me to another data point. So life expectancy in the U.S. is consistently going up. Um, Many more of us can expect to live into our 90s, maybe beyond. Um, As Norman says, everybody wants to get old, right? (laughs) Because what's the alternative, right? We all want to get old, so why are we so, you know, why do we deny it so much? But but with that, you know, if you retire at 60 or 65 or even 70, you can potentially have 20 to 30 more years of life. That's going to involve infrastructure in the community, healthcare, caregiving, all of that stuff. And in fact, many adults are straddling that issue right now. You know, they're caring for aging parents and they're caring for their own children. And what if those aging parents live another 20 years or, and, and they're going to have healthcare needs and so forth? And so um, you guys did an amazing story, Sarah, on how to get away with murder about Cecily Tyson getting older and Annalise having to care for her. I wonder if you might share about that. Yeah. um, So Cicely's character, Ophelia, um, she, over the course of our, we're working on our sixth season and she's been on since the first season and she's developed dementia through um, through the years. And it's, it's something that's very close to my heart. Both of my grandmothers had dementia and a couple other writers in the room and just dealing with how to care for them and 
just the, the discussions that take place in your family. I know my grandfather, you know, he never wanted to put my grandmother in a home, even though she needed a lot of care. And we had the same storyline, too, with um, Cicely, Ophelia, and her husband, played by Roger Robinson, who passed away last year. But he was you know, the fight of, he didn't want to put her, he was stubborn, he wanted to keep her in the house. And, and it's also really expensive to put, and so we had, that was part of the storyline too, is the money, where it was going to come from to, to put her in the home. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars a month, which scares me too, because I'm thinking, well, when I'm that age, I hope that I have the means if I need it. You know, it's something that we need to talk about more, the price of caring for someone with dementia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mimi, yeah. the storyline from uh, the dumpster, spaghetti sauce and a dumpster fire. <laughs> I love the titles of the show, Mom. <laughs> I mean, the titles are amazing, um, which is an amazing storyline. And uh, why don't you share a little bit about that and uh, how did that it come to be? Well, that was about the rage of being older. It's interesting. It was a venue like this that someone on a red carpet said, what sort of storylines um, do you want to see on Mom? And I, well, the only thing I could think of was getting older. You know, I wish they would deal with that because we have this wonderful array of women. And around it came, and it was I, as a AA sponsor to many, I'm the rock of many on the show, my own rock, my own AA sponsor, we had never seen her, we imagined her, had taken a drink, had gotten drunk because her neighbors cut down her hedge. So how does that happen? Well, that's the thing about being older or accumulating experience. Something can trigger you from way back when, and suddenly you lose it, and nobody around you who knows you currently knows why. What the hell just happened? Because it's something buried. So my character, Marjorie, having lost her sponsor, um, she doesn't drink, I don't drink, but I lose it in a supermarket where I'm at a counter and we're taking numbers and my number is up, you know, number 26, and they go right to 27 because she's a cute young woman. And I totally lose it and say, why the hell do you have numbers if you're not going to use them? And I was here first, back off 27. <laughs> I am completely the wise rock falling apart and shattering. And uh, finally, at the end of the show, in the wonderful sharing that we get to do as 12-steppers, I was just saying, we have an automatic way to show the inner life of the soul, and that's when we have a share. And that's a formal thing that you do at these meetings. So I confess that I lived, I took a bath with Jimi Hendrix, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I robbed a bank. Hey. <laughs> but all people see is an old woman. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've studied a lot about uh, women's history very late in life. I didn't come to it in the 70s when everybody else was doing it. But it turns out that the witch burnings <laughs> that went on in medieval times, it was always older women who were living alone. And it was an aspect of just let's go get her and punish her and then we'll feel better as a village because she must be the reason we didn't have a good crop or whatever. So this has been going on for a long time that women lose their value to a society when it's not about 
reproductive or mothering, but I think we're getting smarter than that, and we're sharing ourselves in a much more meaningful way. I, th I have great hope for the future because of that. Oh, yeah. So Brent and Mike, um, well, working with the great reader, not only the great Norman Lear, but writing for the great Rita Moreno and the whole storyline there of, I mean, this is a family that the, the matriarch is living in the home and this is, you know, Penelope is caring for her kids as well as her mom. She has a stroke or a near stroke and they have to put her into a coma. Maybe can you, well, as you told me last night, that's not the best episode to talk about because Rita doesn't have any lines in that episode because she's in a coma. But how is it writing for Rita Moreno and how is it for both of you, you know, just working on a show that really the older person really shines? I mean, she's really central to that show. Oh, she, yeah. I mean, so... We, she was the one person who didn't have to audition. <laughs> and, you know, as a writer, you still, I understand Rita Moreno's a legend. I've had, at this point, never met her before. And for Netflix, you know, they pick up a season. So we were writing not just a pilot, but many episodes. By the time we had the table read, and by the time I met Rita Moreno, we had written about six or seven episodes. We had the pilot had been written for a long time. We had put a lot of words <laughs> on the page. This character was carrying a lot. So this was not, you know, uh, uh, a grandmother who was going to come in and say some zippy line and then, you know, get out on it. Some, you know, we this, the show was on her shoulders, Justina and her. So, I mean, I honestly was nervous. I'm like, she's, you know, 84 at the time or whatever. I don't know what her capabilities are, you know. Uh, uh, so she came in and I, I swear to God, she opened her mouth and it was the funniest thing I ever heard. <laughs> it was, she, her timing, her, you know, the, in, embodying the character, it was like, it was, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. And um, I grew up, um, you know, uh, as a young white boy uh, <laughs> idolizing David Letterman and, you know, a young white boy comedy. But my comedy idol is now an 85-year-old Puerto Rican woman because she <laughs> is, uh, it, it was just incredible. And so you see her, the, she, what's, what's really amazing is that I guess you would think uh, in front of an audience maybe is not, like, as you get older, maybe you want to be less in front of an audience, you know? She shines. She, like, opens up. Like, I hate it. Sometimes you have to shoot a scene that's not in front of the audience just for logistical reasons. She just, uh, it's, you know, you don't get to see the whole... She just is so... She just blossoms. It's amazing. It's an amazing, you know, she comes to life and uh, it's, it's, she should go around giving seminars about, you know, yeah, look at me and then put more of me on television. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did a panel um, at the Writers Guild, I don't know, a year or so ago on sort of on this topic. And we had Rita and Norman on the panel and it was like wrangling cats. I mean, it, the two of them together, it was like trying to, well, let's focus people. You know, they were just off and running and laughing and carrying on. But so Brent, tell me, I mean, back to kind of infrastructure. Um, if we're all getting older, 
hopefully there's going to be more substantive storylines about and involving older adults, not solely, but, you know, they're part of the spectrum. We don't lose them, and they don't just come in with the one-line zinger. Um, and Brent, you're probably best equipped to answer this. There's got to be some infrastructure around production, travel, you know, shooting time, I don't know, all of that. With When you're dealing with Cecily Tyson, who's 94, and, you know, Rita Moreno, who... How old is she? 86 or something now? I think she's 86 now. I think that's right. That woman 87? has... 87? Okay. She has more energy than... Oh, my gosh. I mean, she's insane. Uh, but And Norman, she's, too. But, I mean... She's doing West Side Story right now. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and, she, and she's traveling weekly, like, back and forth to New York to shoot this. I mean, she's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, but are there other... And, and um, just to remind you, how many of you saw the... Well, maybe I shouldn't ask that, but I'm sure a lot of you did. Saw the uh, live in front of a studio audience reenactments of one of um, All in the Family and the Jeffersons, which if you haven't seen it, go find it. It's hilarious. It's on Hulu. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but Marla Gibbs who played the Jefferson's maid in the original, comes back and plays, uh, she's, um, I wanted to say auditioning, she's uh, interviewing for the job as the Jefferson's maid. And so when she makes her entrance, of course, everybody goes crazy. But she's got to be up there in age, too. I, th I think she's 87 as well. Yeah, so, so, I mean, are there things as a producer that you have to think about in terms of, I don't know, how long you can work or travel issues or I don't know. Are there things like that you need to think about? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I've been with Norman for 12 years. And so when I started working with him, he was 85. And um, just a spry young 85. <laughs> but I, I, it's always in my head uh, to think about what, you know, when we go to a panel together, what is, what is the chair like? What's the, is there a step? What's the lighting like? I mean, all these things that you, you think about. Um, just because you care about someone who may need some assistance. But at the same time, you don't want to... I mean, he's a human being just like all of us. And, and I think he, if he was sitting here, would think that if him and I are talking, he thinks he's 44 because I'm 44. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a mind thing. Yes, I think about it, but I don't think that... Like Rita thinks about her age in a way that, you know, she's doing her thing. She's on a plane every week because she's filming a movie and loving life. I mean, she's living in, in a big way. And, and um, I happen to be doing a, a movie on her, her, a documentary on her life for American Masters right now. And so I've really gotten to know her and her history and, and what makes her, um, what makes her tick. It's, it's interesting because they kind of have her and Norman and, and, and maybe Marla too. I mean, there, there's a drive there that um, I think, I, I, maybe I'm trying to find the secret potion of, of the secrets of longevity, and I, I don't know that I'm gonna get it, but I, I do see that there's a curiosity and there's an interest in, um, in remaining relevant uh, across the board. And I think that, um, unlike my mother, unfortunately, who doesn't have that, these people that I work with do, and I'm always like, Mom, but Rita, and she's like, quit comparing me to Rita. <laughs> quit comparing me to Norman, you know? And I'm like, but that's Mom, fair. there's a reason they're doing what they're doing, and I don't want to hear it. You know, it's like constant. But it's, it's, it, there's a secret there. It's, it's pretty awesome. And um, if there's something that we can all take from it, I'm absorbing. 
Can, can I just tell a story? Because I just this reminds me of something. Uh, the moral to this story is an actor is an actor is an actor is always an actor. No offense. <laughs> no, this is this is just age makes no difference. So when we were doing what met of a certain age, uh, we wanted to Ray and I uh, were casting his dad, and we had written a show where we see meet his dad and uh, meet the character of Joe's dad. And the dad is kind of, he's in his 80s and he's lost his spark. He's retired, basically got retired against his will and uh, now sits around wishing he wasn't retired. And um, so Robert Loggia, Loggia wanted to play the part and, and it was fantastic. We were like, oh my God, this is great. So we just had a phone call with him. We couldn't, he wasn't in town. We couldn't meet him. It was a, and uh, it was just a kind of like, We'll, we'll sort of tell you what we're looking for in the character and, you know, just get everybody on the same page. So he, he it, it, you know, in Hollywood, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's, it, there's that, uh, you know, meeting offer with a meeting or whatever. There's a term. He's basically auditioning for the job in his mind, you know, on the phone. Um, so we start talking to him. He just nonstop goes, I'll tell you, I'm young as the day I was born. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I got so much energy. I have sex with my wife three times a week. I mean, you know, he's just selling how spry and how, you know, with it he is. And I mean, you know, and he just sounds like he's full of energy. And we're like, oh, I mean, that's great. That's great. And, and just so you know, I mean, we're, you know, just we're, you're going to be playing a guy who's kind of, he's lost his spark a little bit, you know? He probably doesn't have quite the same energy that, you know, that you yourself have, but, you know, just so you know for the character. And there's a big pause and he goes, well, I'm forgetting everything and everything hurts and, you know, I can't, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. wait, am I losing the job? Yeah. Am I losing the job? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can limp. <laughs> <laughs> They really don't want to limit them themselves too, because I remember I was on set with uh, with Cicely, and it was like two in the morning. We're in Altadena; it's freezing outside, and she's in a little bathrobe for the scene. And I would go up to her, and, and she, she always goes by Miss Ophelia. She stays in character the entire time she's a son. I'm like, Miss Ophelia, are you sure? You, we don't. I think we've got it. We don't have. She's like, No, 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 no. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And I'm just like, if she gets sick on my watch, <laughs> I'm done. You know. So, but she, they really just don't. They want to. They have so much energy in themselves, and they want to keep going, and just so full of life. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You, Brent, you told me a story about um, Norman and Marla Gibbs, I think, coming to some event in Atlanta or something. Or yeah, we Can were, you tell that story? Uh, I mean, this, it was just, it was really sweet because the two of them had, had not been connected in, in several years. And we were down there, I think, promoting his book. Um, so this was been like 2015, I think. Uh, but we were in Atlanta and, and, you know, again, there's, there's certain things that you have to think about when you're traveling with people who need, you know, just some help. And, um, so we had two wheelchairs and the two of them in these wheelchairs and both with sunglasses and we're, <laughs> we're moving down the Atlanta, you know, terminal as we're going. And I turn around and look at them and he reaches over and he grabs her hand he says, did you ever think this would be us right now? And it was just the sweetest moment. And um, I mean, I don't know if that's the story you're thinking of, but it was just, it was cool to, 
you know, just, I don't know, to see them together. Oh, I love that story. Um, so back to writing for a minute. Um, so I, there's probably been some conversation over the course of this festival about diversity and inclusion in uh, depictions and so forth. Um, this is another area, inclusion of older adults, right? And, um, but, and one of the ways to um, see more stories about a certain uh, individual or a certain ethnic group or certain um, group that you want to include is to have somebody in the writer's room who represents that group, right? So when, when you were talking about some of the um, cheesy stories about older yes. adults, I can only imagine that they were yes. probably written by 23-year-olds, no, no offense. Um, <laughs> or younger, who knows. But um, so, I mean, are, do you see older adults uh, in the writer's room and do they pitch those stories? And Mimi, I, I think it sounded like you kind of pitched that story about uh, Marjorie. Yeah, no, they're very responsive. In our writer's room, it's interesting knowing them as I do. The p parents and uh, parents-in-law are very, very important to these writers. Of course, they're writing a show called Mom in which... Uh-huh. So that's... They're dealing with older people in their minds as their parent whom they love and also wrangle with, of course, as we do, and who's uh, uh, one of our writers, her, her father had dementia, and her mother, who was a very august personage in her own working life and then retired, cared for the father. So all those questions come up, no matter how high you were in your own mind, caring for another brings you in your own mind, you know, lower. You're not the most important number one anymore. That's always a story, how that impacts people. And 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 they love or hate, but that's another form of love when it's in the family. <laughs> and that's how I know that they're doing that. Chuck Lorre, who was the show creator, is no spring chicken. And I've known him a long time, and he has all the energy, the spiritual mental energy, and he is still resolving. I mean, mom was his, I'm going to face straight on how I felt about my parents and how I feel about recovery and recovery in 12-step with my community. It's fantastic because this was his new community, and he is just wanted to uncover everything and talk about it. That's why I know they were doing real stories and not just manufactured ones. How about we could always be better. I mean, we could, I think there should be more older people in our writer. We have a pretty young room. Um, but we do talk about our parents all the time. And I think we've met almost, if not every character's parents on our show. So there's a lot of parental storylines that we're telling that we, you know, because our, our cast is pretty young too. Um, so yeah, but we were always talking about our parents. <laughs> yeah. Well, good to know. Good yeah. To know. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, I remember when I, my first writing job came in 1999 and there was a story on 60 Minutes and I was 35. And there was a story on 60 Minutes in 2000 or something about ageism in writer in 
writers and how when you turn 40, it's all over. And so I panicked and I sold the house. And, um, and I feel like that is changed somewhat. I mean, I think it's, it's, it would be wrong to say there hasn't been progress in that area, considering I still have a career. I guess I'm one example, but, um, you know, I don't know that it's an active, I think it's a product of that there's 500 shows and they like need people who know what they're doing. Like, oh, you've done this before? Okay, get in there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's good. That's all a good thing. I, it's, it's still a bit of, I, we, on Raymond, we had a, a, a writer who was, uh, uh, I think 70 by the time he was done. And then even five years later, he went to uh, Russia to supervise the Russian version of Raymond and had an amazing time and, uh, you know, said he was some of the best writing he ever did. He had, like, wrote with translators, basically. He was supervising. He was a head writer who had to use a translator to give notes to the Russian writers. Um, so I, I, I think it must... I think it, more progress will go hand-in-hand hand with more programming that needs people who are these people. I mean, you, you are writing from their own lives and... You know. And presumably, if we're all going to live longer, if you've got a nice, steady writing job on a show that's yeah. going to go 15 seasons, you can age right along with it. Yes. Yeah? yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, either of you have anything to comment on that? Writers' rooms? I, I mean, I think we're, as, as, as you were saying, I, mean, I think we can always do better. I mean, I, I, um, we have a project right now that, that we're doing that is. Um, the focus is is a love story. It can be anything we want, but they have to be 65 or older. So, um, you know, I've been meeting with various writers to hear their stories on what they might want to talk about, you know, and, and inevitably it's, um, it's always something to do with, uh, you know, just the pains of, of aging in general. And, and how can we do it with, you know, through a comedic lens? So it's... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, we can always be doing better, yeah. I, I would just say that uh, thinking about a, an older love story, Raymond had that, had Doris Roberts and Joe, right? Um, and uh, they were uh, an older couple, and I'll never forget the writer, director of, um, of uh, The Postman, Il Postino, that movie. I think it was an Academy Award winner. And uh, I met him doing some television and he talked about his parents 50th anniversary and he had just been there and he said there's such a power to shared biography whether these people you know went through hard times were faithful all, all the things that can happen in a long marriage they knew every step of the way where the other was at and to share a biography for 50 years is so powerful because you know each other then there's the loss uh, Chuck is doing this on the Kaminsky Method which is a very good show about aging Michael Douglas dealing with uh, his aging act, uh, agent uh, who has lost his wife Susan Sullivan who was um, the classmate of mine on Dharma and Greg playing the ghost of his wife who returns because he's still talking out loud to her which every widow or widower that I know in my community, they say they do. I talk to him every night. I still speak to him or her. And um, loss is interior, internal. And then finding new love, they had me do that on mom too, is external. There's this sense of, oh my God, it ain't over yet. 
as Rodney Crowell's song says, it ain't over yet. And um, those stories are so fresh, but um, they don't happen only in one linear thing of only the old people. There's usually young people involved. There's some commute. There's some trigger to it. Yeah, We're going to find down, all that. Boils down to diversity in all, you know, in race, religion, color, age, you know, all the rest of it. Um, diversity in front of the camera, diversity in the writer's room, and those rich stories will come out. Um, okay, I think I'm being told uh, it's about time for Q&A. Is that right? Okay. So do, do we have questions from the audience? And I don't know if we have mic runners or... Um, okay, up here in the front. Thank you. Um, so Mimi has mentioned multiple times that there's, you know, definitely more um, interesting roles, you know, for older individuals, you know, more variety and all that. Um, and I was wondering, um, you know, how much of that would, do you think is due, like all of you really, how much of that do you think is due to, you know, nostalgia? Because a lot of these, act, all these actors we've mentioned have been in Hollywood for decades. Um, you know, we always hear about like new revivals for TV shows. I mean, every, I feel like every, every week I hear about a new revival. And, you know, so how much do you think is due to nostalgia and how much is due to an interest in these type of storylines? So, sorry, how much of what is due? Sorry. I'm not... So, like, so how much, so, like, the reason, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, with the, with all these new roles out there, or, you know, more diverse roles, you know, for older individuals, how much of that is, you know, due to, like, there being an interest in that and how much is due to just nostalgia, basically, because these are, you know, actors have been around for a long time. <laughs> well, I guess in our case, we, we are always, the way we kind of think about story is what do we want to say? Um, and we have this great opportunity to show millions of people our stories. Um, so in our case, when we wanted to do the dementia storyline with Cicely and her character Ophelia, I mean, it was something that a lot of us had gone through with our own families and just the struggle of that. So in our case, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's nostalgia, but it's just what do, what do we want to say about these older characters and the struggles that they go through, the struggles their family goes through. Um, but yeah, it's just taking that opportunity, I guess, to say what's on our minds. <laughs> I was wondering if, were you asking as an actress uh, about the casting of such things? Like, we want to see this person again on TV. We want to see them. I think there's, there's an element of that because TV created its own stars, so to speak, that are kind of separate from other aspects, theater or movies. I know, I've benefited and <laughs> not from such a thing. <laughs> but I, I do think, again, it's kind of a community, and we do want to bring forward people of every age that <laughs> that we've created in this um, community, and I've always wondered if the audience, oh, no, not that person again. But, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, we saw that person younger, and now we see that person older. Rita Marino, a boy like that would kill your brother. <laughs> I, I was a total West Side Story freak. But when I met her, I thought my heart would bust out of my chest. <laughs> Woo! But there's that. But I think there's also, and we shouldn't be naive, and I would like to make this a positive thing, um, 
television is driven by advertising. That's why it's free when we can turn it on. We're learning this on the internet too. Oh, skip the ad. No, maybe I'm interested. That's, that's how this thing gets generated. And I have just finished a long uh, traveling through Tennessee and I've seen people of every age and uh, my heart I am so grateful I live in Hollywood where I have a team, you know, physical therapy if I need it or, you know, anything and I need a great health care plan. I'm seeing a lot of people who are younger than I am who are suffering from various maladies having to do with really poor diet, even though they're never hungry, and um, rural pesticide usage over, you know, decades can affect the human body in certain ways, you know, illnesses. And I know that we can fix that with our medical system, but I also know we can learn how to harmonize better with our environment so we can live longer the way I do, which is with pretty, pretty good energy. And I'm loving that with older people on TV, it might give us all a social notion that I don't have to be sick just because I'm old, so I'm gonna challenge what's making me feel sick and I'm gonna do a little more taking care of myself and taking care of others. Not being intrusive and meddlesome and judgmental and shaming, but just thinking I'm gonna live this bunch of years with more energy. And I just had to say that because of, of where I've been and what I've seen. And I know we need to start caring for each other, again, not in a meddlesome, judgmental way, but I think our advertisers are getting into that too. And I'm glad to see it. Yeah, um, oh, okay. Um, I uh, went to the theater, uh, the movie theater, and, and they were showing the um, five foreign films, short films that were nominated for the Oscars. This was, you know, before the Oscars. And so, you know, when do you get a chance to see the short films? So I went to see them, and one of the films, it was from France, called Marguerite, the sweetest film. If you have, if you haven't seen it, try to find it. It's probably online somewhere. But it's about an older woman and her caregiver, because they live in France, and anybody who needs somebody to come to their house and take care of them gets that. So this is a, a young woman comes every day to take care of her, and it's just the sweetest, sweetest story. Um, and I won't tell you, you know, anything more than that. But it got me thinking, you know, that, that kind of storytelling um, is relevant if you've got the health care policy that goes along to support it. Um, you know, that story wouldn't necessarily work in the U.S. unless it were a very wealthy woman, you know, who could afford that. So some of it goes hand in hand with that. And anyway, just a little plug for that film. Um, any other questions or I don't know where our mic person is, but yeah, back there. Um, it appears to me, as an older actress, two and a half years, pretty young, but I work all the time in Dallas and Austin, when you talk about in inclusion, what I, what I personally see in our market, inclusion is everyone but older women. I don't understand that. Everything that you guys have talked about, I mean, it's the absolute truth. How can that be changed when our advertising, advertisers are, you know, looking at, you know, we spend money. We have the money to spend. It just doesn't make sense to me. Do you think Hollywood, you know, has a blind eye to that? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. 
financially. Well, I mean, that's always been, there's been uh, outcry and debate. I mean, I 100% agree with you just in terms of this, this notion that is, I think, changing because all the platforms are changing. But this notion that, you know, you reach a certain age and then you stop buying shit or, you know, uh, you've made all your purchasing decisions are created by the time you're 49. Um, I mean, maybe when, I don't know, back in the 40s or something when you died like a year later or whatever. I don't really have the statistics. <laughs> but now it just, I mean, I, you know, I was telling Jim, um, uh, Jim Halterman, TV guy, um, <laughs> that... My, you know, my mom has an iPhone. My mom has a DVR. She's 80. These things didn't exist. Nobody knew that they were a thing. So she made purchasing decisions clearly well into her 70s <laughs> that weren't there before. So it seems it's just, you know, and then, then there's the argument, well, we have all these statistics to back it up. So I don't know who's, you know, I know they like they make money. So I don't really understand if they're just flawed in their, in, in their philosophy, if they're making a bunch of mistakes. It's, it seems like it needs to catch up. But yeah. the other side of it is, and the good sort of other good news is there's just so much content that you can get now that does not rely on advertising, you know? I mean, it's a fantastic, it's, it's great to have options, but at least there's, you know, I mean, Grace and Frankie and all, you know, th these are shows that don't, they don't have to sell ads, so they can just go after the people. Right. So hopefully that will start to open up even more uh, demographically because they're not worried about it one way or the other, even if they're wrong. And I think they will catch up because Hollywood does love money. And, yeah. and I think for a long time they just didn't think that women went to movies. And then they were shocked when, you know, an all-female cast was a huge right. hit. So I think it will, it'll catch up and they'll realize that the older population, yes, does spend money. And they want that money. And so hopefully we'll, well get there soon. Yeah, and I think it goes back to um, the decision makers not necessarily in the writers' rooms, but at networks and studios and those higher-ups, you know, diversifying those offices, which are have predominantly been the white man. I'm, I'm sorry, you guys, but... I, <laughs> I am the problem. Look upon me. It's fine. It's totally fine. Another question up here. Hi, everybody. Um... All your shows are critically acclaimed, so you know that, that you're hitting the mark somewhere, but what do you all actually hear from older audience members and how they're responding to your story specifically, whether it's social media or when they see you at things like this? What do you actually hear from them? I will speak to that. I hear uh, from older people, but also 12-step uh, people. You know, it's an anonymous thing, So, but I will get hugs in parking lots uh, from people telling me, your show is so important to us. And they usually are speaking about a community of people that they're tight with because they're in recovery and that goes on for the rest of your life once you've made that commitment to turn away from whatever it was you were self-medicating with that was making you avoid. Uh, so that's, that's what I hear. And in terms of um, 
I know a lot of our fans are older. Anna Ferris, the young woman on our show, young at 41, um, <laughs> which should make us feel good and show us the potential say, for had... what we're talking mm -hmm. about. Um, she said, oh, well, our demographic, you know, she's always making our demographic jokes. And uh, we, they were aiming to get down into that 18 to 49, and they finally broke it. And they were all so glad because evidently that means a lot to the ratings and the advertisers. Mm -hmm. But we know that many of our um, audience is older than that. And I'm also getting it that a lot of television watchers in the evening are people who are caregiving, often for someone in the family, uh, or maybe younger children, but they're in bed. Usually those caregivers, i.e. parents or whomever, is, are, go to bed right with the child because the day's been exhausting. But very often caregivers are watching TV because um, they're, they have to be in situ. They have to be where they are. Uh, they can't go out to the movies or whatever. And, and Netflix and all that is changing, giving them more access. But that's what I would say. I hear from 12-steppers, and I hear from people who are grateful that we're dealing with difficult issues because they're doing that in their lives, and we're making them laugh about it, and they love that. And you and I have spoke about one of the scenes in Murder when Sicily is with Viola and... Um, Ophelia had just wet herself and um, Annalise was taking care of her, cleaning her up, bathing her. And a lot of people have talked about that scene and just because it doesn't hide, you know, the ugliness that you do go through when you are a caregiver and how many people can relate to that caring for their own parents. So it, a lot of these stories are very relatable for audiences, I think. Yeah, that scene gets me every we're time. We're singing I've to seen each other. it so many times, but it's, it's just makes me cry. We, um, we, we heard, I mean, I think someone was talking about nostalgia earlier. We, we heard um, from a lot of people two weeks ago when we did our special um, that I was surprised to hear from. And, and largely, I think, because they, the, the, I think the common thread always was, oh, we miss good TV. Like, that was what they were saying. And I, I, I mean, the argument is there's, Tons of good TV. I mean, I think we are in the, I mean, I think the best time for television. There's so much out there. But they were, they really enjoyed, I mean, the, the, the comments that I, I was getting were, they, they loved that, um, it, was, it was the Lear brand of television, of pushing, it wasn't too PC. I mean, some of the things that were allowed to be said uh, back then were a little, I mean, it was, there was a reason that we had Norman do a disclaimer at the top of the show, just because... You know, we wanted people to be, especially the younger generations who had never seen these shows, um, to understand what, what we were doing and, and that they might be offended by some of the language. Um, our cast members were, were also nervous. I mean, Woody had, had a, a really tough time playing Archie because he was like, I remember during rehearsals at one point he was, he was saying the line, he turned around and he said, holy shit, they really said this back then? I mean, <laughs> he was like, he broke character because he was just like, I can't even believe this is coming out of my mouth. I mean, he treated Edith like a dish rag. I mean, he, it, it was just awful. Um, but at the same time, they were, there was a reason you know, behind it. So I don't know, to answer your question, is we heard, we've heard a lot from a lot of people older who remembered the shows and uh, were really happy to see it. Question. 
First of all, I want to say I loved you and Dharma and Greg. That was just... Thank you. A bunch of hippies in this room now. I know. Well, I almost God didn't recognize you. you because of the hair, you know, the red. <laughs> so They had to fry it up. Yeah. That was such a good show. Uh, and I want to just say that um, I've, I used to watch a lot of Britcoms. And you were talking about the retirement home type situation. They had one called Waiting for God that was just magnificent about elderly people. And also, you know, they're keeping up appearances and are you being served? All of them were very rich with older characters. And so, and I also want to say that when um, a lot of, I've seen several movies recently that show older generation with younger generation, like The Intern with Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro, and there's one with Dennis Quaid and Topher Grace, where it shows young people learning from these people. And so when you were saying it's difficult to pitch a show sometimes with older characters, uh, just remind them of the Golden Girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you. Keep trying. Thank you. Another question somewhere over here. Hi, I have a question for Sarah about the character of Nate Leahy Sr. and what it was like to write for him and to see such a nuanced African-American older man on screen was just amazing. Glenn Terman, he, I love that man. He is so wonderful to work with. Um, and writing the character of Nate Sr., it, I mean, that storyline last season really became the heart, I feel, of, of our season-long uh, story and you know when I, when we we didn't want spoiler but he ends up being killed and we it was so sad we knew that was where the story was going to go but none of us really wanted to do it because there was such uh, the two of them Billy Brown who plays Nate um, they just had such great chemistry together and um, and and Glenn just he would he would ad lib a lot. He would play with his lines, and they he would just make them better. Um, but yeah, and and we do have a very diverse writers room. I mean, that's very important to Shonda, and um, I think half of our half of our room, maybe even more, are people of color. So they're getting an opportunity, and they share a lot about their grandparents and their fathers. And so it was really just a whole coming together of all of us talking about our parents again and grandparents. And, and I think having such a diverse writer's room really does make those stories richer and truer. And, um, and I feel lucky to be a part of that. So. Okay, we'll take one last question, and I think we have to wrap it up. So just real quick, I mean, we've talked um, a lot about actresses that have been in the business for decades. Do any of you know of any groups or organizations that assist uh, older people who want to get into show business, um, you know, as like even like a second career or something? Or are there... Uh, agencies to help older people who want to get into um, acting or writing or something like that? Wow. <laughs> you just blew my mind. Uh, what I'm thinking is there should be an acting class specifically for that. 
Hmm. Well, I know, exactly. <laughs> a few more years on mom, I may think about what I want to do with that dough, and that could be something. Cottage industry for you. Then. It will be driven by the roles, but uh, I have a manager who is constantly having to shave the client list, and you can imagine white, young white men psh, off shaving, shaving because they're not being asked for as much. Well, them's the... What do you call it? Paying the dues. It's our turn. It's paying the dues. And then, uh, but there must be a demand, one might think, for older people. And all you would need is the chops to be able to act on demand. And you need to know what you're doing so that you don't get, as I did when I was young, in front of the camera and 17 takes later go, oh, oh, that's what you wanted? Why? <laughs> I didn't know much about camera in my younger days. It was all theater. But you could teach that. I could teach that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know there I know that there's um uh, there's agents and managers that specifically handle like people with disabilities and things like that. So, it seems like another good opportunity. Somebody that reps older actors. Yeah. Um, and writers and writers and, and yeah. all, all of the above. Um, well, let's give a big round of applause for our panel. And a round of applause for yourselves. Thank you so much for turning up this morning. The TV Campfire is produced by Caitlin McFarland, Emily Gibson, and AJ Myers, along with our audio partner, Five Ohm Productions. Mark your calendars. ATX TV Festival Season 9 is happening June 4th through 7th, 2020 in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit atxfestival.com and follow us on social media at ATX Festival. And be sure to check out our episode notes for a very special discount on badges exclusive to TV Campfire podcast listeners. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And stay tuned for even more exclusive releases each week.